at my phone. Good morning, church. Um, that was awkward. Uh, yeah, I had to ask my own applause. Should we try again just so we get warm and alive this morning? All right, now I can preach. Um, so if you don't know who I am, my name is Sia and I lead our evening service. It is a privilege to be up here sharing with you guys this morning in our series, What on Earth is God Doing? Really tackling a lot of uh, kingdom principle and how we get to apply that into our own lives today. Last week, if you missed out on last week, Ross shared a phenomenal message on uh, wisdom. So I would strongly urge you to go watch that preach because um, it was like one of his best. And also, if you do have Ross's number, it's his birthday today. We'll just celebrate him and honor him wherever we can. But if you can send him a message just of showing him some love, he would greatly appreciate that. He is, after all, very affectionate. So if you can hug him and give, greet him with a holy kiss, please <laughs> do it. He is ready, willing, and able. Um, but nonetheless, this morning, I get to continue on our series. I'm going to be speaking on this idea of freedom. And if you saw online, uh, I, I kind of wrote a little write-up, but the question of freedom is, when I'm free, do I do whatever I want? If God's uh, will for us in his kingdom is that we are free indeed, does that mean I can just do whatever I want? It's an interesting thought, and I think that for most of us, and possibly all of us, haven't really delved, delved, dove, doven, uh, delved deep into the, into the concept of freedom enough to think about how it really, really applies in our lives. So hopefully by the end of this message, we would have begun the journey or continuing the journey of walking ourselves into true freedom. So I've rightfully titled this message, The Long Walk to Freedom. Hashtag Nelson. I was about to do a Nelson impression, but I don't know if that's okay. Um, uh, you guys know this when I preach. You let us say two things, three things. You let us say? And? Amen. And preach it. Fantastic, because we are speaking that stuff over our own lives. Now, question number one, and you don't have to put your hands up if this is uh, putting you on the spot, but have you ever been in prison? <laughs> Who here has ever been in prison? Oh, with one hand. What a brave soul, two, <laughs> three, four, five, I see that hand. <laughs> oh my goodness, okay. Um, obviously, when I say prison, we're all thinking jail. I'm not talking about jail, because um, uh, we don't often realize this, but the prisons that we put ourselves in are actually sometimes in our own minds, and we create for ourselves. So we're not even talking about like, so some prisons that we can put ourselves in is a prison of feeling like we are not worthy. I'm just not worthy. No way in the Bible does it say that, but that's a prison that we put ourselves in and keep ourselves in there for the duration of our lives until we experience freedom. Not all prisons look like a jail cell, but some of the prisons that we find ourselves in We've built ourselves. We've dug out the trenches, put in the foundation, put the bricks on the walls, locked the gate, closed, locked, I mean, closed the gate and locked it up, and we keep the keys in our pocket. Those are the prisons that you and I find ourselves in. 
I'm hoping that today, because the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That today we are going to experience kingdom freedom from whatever prison that you and I have built for ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to walk ourselves out of freedom this morning. So I'm going to share a vulnerable story of when I was in prison. I was about 10 years old, and my mother had grounded me. Um, so that was a prison. That was a joke. That fell right here. This is the moat of dead jokes right there. Um, but I was, I was about 10 years old, and I was in prison. So the first thing, obviously, when mom was like, okay, because, and this is not even like a racial joke, because I'm black, like, our solution is just whip the booty and then carry on with our lives. So, I mean, that's the, if you do something wrong. So when she says to me, you're grounded. First thing I thought was, what's that? <laughs> um, and I'm like, we're black, we don't do this. Just <laughs> Nonetheless, she grounded me. And Murphy's Law, everything on TV that week was amazing. Generations was on fleek. All the sauce was happening. Um, all the animated stuff that I, was, that I could watch was just absolutely amazing. So now, obviously, I've got to come up with a solution to sneak some TV time in the middle of my being grounded. So naturally, as a 10-year-old, all you can do is go to the kitchen and go back to your room, right? So what I would do is I think I had like 77 glasses of water in the space of an hour. So I would leave my room and I would walk like this. This is like sneaking a little bit of the TV, grab some water, go back. This is like sneak a little bit, have a young little sip, and then go back afterwards, returning the empty glass now, back to the kitchen. Um, but I just meander up and down just so I could catch whatever was happening on the telly. Um, but now let's just imagine for a second. Obviously, that was just for a week. And after, I think, four days, I was out in good behavior. So your boy was released from prison. Um, but let's just imagine for a second that that was my life for over 200 years. The mom was like, you're grounded for the next 200 years. And what, all that I could do was wake up, do chores, go back to sleep. Wake up the next day, do chores, go back to sleep. Wake up the next day, do chores, go back to sleep. And because I'm a young person, what she says goes. There's no debate, there's no argument. That is how I ought to live under her kingdom. The Exodus story is no different to that. And obviously, it's, it spanned um, also over 200 years, not also, it spanned over 200 years. They were enslaved, God's people were, people were enslaved, and their thinking, their behavior, their everything was governed by Pharaoh. Now, physically speaking, they were obviously in prison and they were slaves, but mentally speaking, they would do as Pharaoh would have commanded because it was Pharaoh's kingdom. So they have to worship his God. They have to pray the way that he would suggest that they pray or recommend or command that they pray. Everything about their lives was governed by Pharaoh. For over 200 years, that's how they would live their lives. 1.2 million people being governed by a person in his kingdom. Now, he had every right to do that because he was the Pharaoh and that was his domain. But nonetheless, the... Um, their journey towards their freedom had to go a lot deeper than just their physical freedom, being walked out of slavery. So obviously now God intervenes in the affairs of man, and he wages war against Pharaoh and his gods. Obviously God wins because he is 
the gods, when their gods, I mean like little g. So he is God above it all. And he also wins against Pharaoh and his armies. So he defeats their gods, little g, and their army and sets his people free. But now imagine over 200 years of programming, stories passed down from generation to generation, their thinking was also enslaved. So in as much as God might have freed them from captivity, walked them out of slavery, he still had to walk slavery out of them. So God is saying, I'm going to take you into the promised land, uh, land flowing with milk and honey, but along the way, their mindset is still of slaves. They still thought and reasoned like slaves because of the captivity that they had experienced for those couple hundred years. Now, that is really no different to you and I, because if you think about it, ours is obviously not over 200 years, but from the time that you're born, you're being programmed to a certain degree, either by a society, by your parents, by your environments, by your decisions. All of those things are influencing the way that you and I think and reason through circumstances. And when we encounter Jesus, we experience freedom. But when circumstances begin to present themselves, as they did with the Israelites, as they were walking towards the promised land, a 12-day journey turns into 40 years. 40 years. All because they thought and reasoned like slaves. So God needed to change their minds in as much as he changed their circumstance. He needed to free their minds in as much as he freed their physical bodies from captivity. And that is the freedom that I want for us this morning. That is the freedom I believe God wants for us this morning. Not just free, but also free indeed. And in God's kingdom, freedom means choosing his will over our own. Is there a bird in here? Because, wow, it sounds so close. Um, <laughs> come rest on me. Um, amazing. Are you guys still with me? So we are going to begin the journey this morning of walking ourselves into mental, spiritual, physical, any other cool um, freedom that you can possibly experience. And whatever prison you've built for yourself, we're going to tear down those walls today because enough is enough. This is where we draw the line. Because God's will for you is that you be free and free indeed in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at a little, un unpack that story quite a bit. Because the Israelites, over the course of their journey towards the, the promised land, um, the first of those obstacles, and I want you to put yourself in their, in their shoes or think of your own circumstances. The first obstacle that came their way was the Red Sea. What is their response? Moses, you brought us out here to die. We were better off as slaves. You should have just left us in captivity. Fine, God comes through, amazing miracle. You would think that at that moment, your response is, God is above it all. I need to put my faith in God. We're good. Next obstacle, there's no food. Moses, you've brought us out here to die. You should have left us in captivity. 
Can you see the slavery mindset? You're free, you're free, but you're still a slave. You should just lift us in captivity. God provides manna from heaven, quail, all that you can imagine. You'll, you'll be taken care, of for the, taken care of for the duration of your time in the wilderness, but yet still you struggle to believe that you're free. Still your mind isn't set free from thinking and reasoning like a slave. Next circumstance, there's no water. Moses, this, that. Next circumstance, infighting between the tribes. Moses, this or that. Next fighting uh, ensues. Worshipping idols. Next obstacle ensues. Obstacle after obstacle. These people still resort to thinking and reasoning like slaves. But this Exodus story is not just a story about how God frees his people. It's meant to paint a picture or tell us a story about how he's going to free all of humanity. So as I've mentioned before, that Moses is a typological figure in the Bible, which means he's a type of Jesus. That story is a picture of the gospel. Because fast forward some few thousand years, no, thousand and some change years, and you get Jesus. Now this was actually alluded to. Some theologians believe that this doesn't only just point to possibly Joshua, but also alludes to Jesus himself. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you have asked of the Lord your God at, the, at Herob, or Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they, say is a, is, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among them, uh, from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. Essentially, that's leading or pointing us to Jesus, who is the second greater Moses, who came, lived a perfect, blameless life to die on a cross, to bring freedom for all of humanity and not just God's chosen people. So you and I get to experience that freedom when we put our faith in God. And if you're here and you don't yet put your faith in God, I would ask that you listen with an open ear. Because as I preached last week, Jesus himself read this portion of Scripture in the book of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. This is the message that God has brought for his people in his kingdom. His will that you and I be set free, but we're not just free, but we're free indeed. Now we experience a portion of that freedom, but as with the Israelites, I don't know about you, but I often... I often find myself um, resorting to thinking like my old self when I'm trying to live as my new creation in Christ. Let me just walk you through a little bit of my life uh, for a little bit. So I got saved when I was 16. I started following God when I was about 21 because I think there's a difference between the two. The saved is a decision that you make once. Unless you actively choose to turn away from God, that's never going to change. But following God is a decision that you make every single day. And you can choose not to at any moment as well. But you're still saved, but you haven't chosen to follow Jesus in the way that he reasons. So you do as he does, essentially is what that means. So um, got saved, started following God like, 
Lord, here's my life. I'm laying it down. Have your way. Circumstance number one comes my way. Grandmother passes away. First response, you'd imagine, would be like, as a Christian, you know, like, you've got to still trust God. Suffering is a part of our story, blah, 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 blah. Cool. My response was nothing like that. God, why didn't you save her? Where were you? Old thinking impacting new living. Okay, fast forward some few months. Okay, maybe okay, I walked my way through that. Cool, fine. God is still God. He's still on the throne. Jiggy, jiggy. Some circumstances happen, and then I find myself in a little bit of a mess. And I was like, God, why didn't you forewarn me? Why didn't you show me? Why didn't you do this? God, where were you? I sound like the Israelites. Now, I'm not even trying to say to you that, that from that point on, my life was perfect and great. Nope. Circumstances still come and they go and they shake and they stir up things within me. Now we get to when my sister passed away. Now of all of these experiences, I'd like to think that I would have I, I learned a little bit and I get better at responding to difficult circumstances so that when I do encounter the next circumstance, I respond in a way that um, my king would respond in a difficult circumstance. <laughs> so my sister passes away and you go through all the natural thoughts that come through your head, because, I mean, you can't control the thought that comes in. You control how long it stays there. Um, so a thought comes in, and it's like, ah. Uh, but when I say to you, I was ready to hang it up. I was ready to leave ministry. I was ready to forget about God. I was just like, how could you not intervene? How could, especially like I was doubting the person he created me to be, because she died from COVID. So um, in those circumstances, I was just like, bruh, talking to her. You're going to be okay. Just 14 days of uncomfortable pain, whatever, and then you'll be fine. Like, I'm a, quite an optimist in that way. So, like, God, what would you make me that way if you knew this is how this would play out? God, why would you? And I, those thoughts came into my mind, but because of my experiences, I knew enough about God to know that that's not what he is like. He is far too good and has been far too good to me to even leave me now. So I knew that the wisest thing that I could actually do, instead of making an emotional decision, was to get away with God and allow him to be the one to speak into that circumstance or speak into how I process that circumstance. And when I say to you that he spoke about everything else around my life, but not that. But that brought in, its, in and of itself the freedom I needed to walk through that circumstance well. Now... Am I doing stuff perfectly now? No. <laughs> but with each circumstance, you get what? Better and better as you continue on the long walk to freedom. As my mind is being changed, circumstance after circumstance. Let's take it to today's day and age, COVID. So COVID is a thing that happened to everyone and it forced us to do what? Isolate. So it isolated human beings all around the world. Everyone everywhere had to do what? Isolate. So it reduced our world to screen time. That's how I connect to people. And for most of us, we might not understand the full ramifications of what that actually means. So um, there was a study that was done of the UK on the quality and quantity of time spent watching a screen. So the quality obviously is like I'm doing work. That's quality screen time. Quantity is how much time you spend on the thing. Poor quality is like, hey, I've got nothing else better to do. Might as well just 
watch Netflix for the next 16 hours, or uh, Showmax, or Sport, or something or other, whatever thing you use to binge watch that, to fill in something within you. But what they found is that the effect on mental health skyrocketed as people were isolated over the past two years. Forget that you're Christians, like human beings around the world. Depression, anxiety, leaning into social media, leaning into, um, what are these things called? Like things like Netflix and all those platforms where you can just watch and binge watch things for hours upon hours. Leaning into those things was so high that it's having a drastic effect on people's mental health. So therefore anxiety, depression, loneliness, all of these things were at an all-time high. Now let's add Christianity into this whole thing. Now you can imagine as a Christian, as a Christian, immersing yourself in that also has ramifications because after some time, you begin to hear God less, feel Him less, don't know if you're living under your purpose, questioning your walk with God, and after some time, guilt, shame, condemnation begin to set in because you feel like you are less than what you're supposed to be. Obviously, it lies whispered to you by the enemy. And what happens is you get caught in that cycle of just, well, I mean, I'm here, might as well. You slip into old habits, old ways of thinking, old ways of doing things. All addictions begin to arise. The amount of pornography watching over COVID and, and um, lockdowns was 50 to 70% higher than ever before. Can you imagine now the effect that that has on your mind? Forget your behavior, just your mind. That is not the free indeed that Jesus died for. Prisons that you and I build for ourselves. Now that you guys can feel the weight of the prisons, let us begin the journey of walking out. Amen? If you're here this morning and you're feeling guilt and condemnation or whatever, because maybe you might have slipped into these things, I'm here to tell you that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, are there consequences? Absolutely. There's stuff that you need to deal with and process and deliverance for those things. Absolutely. But I can tell you right now, God's judgment was placed on his son on that cross some 2,000 years ago. He is no longer judging you based on your performance. But his desire for you is that you get to walk into being free indeed. And it begins when we decide. It begins when you and I decide. So this morning, we're going to make some powerful decisions, yeah? That are going to change the course of our lives forever. You need to make a, a, what's that expression? Something, a stake, claim on the stake, something or other. White people, help me out, I'm black. Um, <laughs> yes, a stake in the something or a line in the, in the sand. All of those things. This is where it ends because from here on out, we are going to be living and walking in the freedom that the king desires in his kingdom. So now I've got to ask the question of how do we do that? How do we begin to do that? Um, may I have some water?
I've been wondering if I can continue on, but I can feel. Thank you so much, Brent. I almost said Bert. <laughs> that would have been awkward. Um, how do we begin to, to walk ourselves into the state of freedom? How do you begin to walk yourself into your freedom and your free indeed that Jesus has for you? Show of hands if you have somewhat of an idea. It's okay if you don't. Fantastic. I am here to help. <laughs> um, so Romans 12, because we're speaking about the mind. Thank you so much, sir. What a general. Romans 12 gives us an idea, but an idea that we still have to unpack. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As we read that first part of verse 2, do not, be, I mean, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, well, that gives me an idea. So the transformation begins with the renewing of our minds. So our behavior, the transformation of our behavior begins in the renewing of the way that you and I think. Proverbs 23 verse 7, the King James, verse, King James Version says that, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So how you think is how you'll behave. So now the question we need to ask is, how do we renew our minds? How do you renew your mind? In your life right now, how do you renew your mind? Because, I mean, if... Uh, I think it's... Uh, no, that's the wrong scripture. Because if Proverbs 23 is to be taken for its word, which we absolutely can, then this is what we need to change more than this. So how do you and I renew our minds every day? Spend time in the Lord. Read the Bible. Listening to? Oh, listening to me? Ha, jokes. Um, listening to preachers. <laughs> um, all good answers. You're not wrong. Start. Start filling it with nonsense. Absolutely. It's good. I'm loving this. You see, we're working together to get to the solution. Okay. First thing I would suggest, which is like a combination of a lot of what all of us have said this morning, is meditate on God's Word. Meditate on God's Word. Notice I didn't say memorize God's Word. The thing with memorizing is that the Pharisees memorized Scripture but missed Jesus when he arrived. The scripture will sit in your head if it does, but it's written in your heart anyway, so it's fine. But what I want to suggest and posit to us this morning is meditate on the word. Psalm 119 verse 15 says, um, I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. So now how would we meditate on God's word? 
I'll give you one practical thing real quick. So let's just say, for example, you're reading a portion of scripture and something or one of the verses just absolutely gobsmacks you. Wow. That didn't happen for no reason, number one. And number two, it didn't happen that you could breeze past it like, ooh, that hit me. Let me continue reading. Stop at that ooh. <laughs> that sounds funny to say when you listen to this on the podcast. But anyway, um, stop at that moment and then meditate on why you felt what you felt. What is the Holy Spirit possibly wanting to reveal to you in that moment through that portion of Scripture? Or alternatively, create space in your day to meditate on a portion of Scripture. Whether it's a drive in the car, where you just... Um, let's just say, for example, Ephesians 3.20 is, one, like a, is a verse that you want to really, really deeply consider... Create space to meditate on that word. And when you do that, it sits deep in your heart and in your soul. Then when a circumstance comes to provoke old ways of thinking, you respond with new ways of living. Then when the enemy begins to whisper some lie in your mind, you respond with the truth that is found in God's word. Because to walk ourselves to free indeed, we need to equip ourselves with the double-edged sword, the weapon that is God's word. But we need to meditate on his word. Meditate on his word. Whatever scripture you like, whatever portion of scripture you want to meditate on, ruminate on that thing. Chew on it. Have conversations with people that you trust and value or whatever, or your life group. But meditate on the word. Stay in the word. Create space to just sink and sit in the Word. Don't worry about memorizing it. That's fine. It's not the requirement to get into heaven. But meditate on His Word and consider His ways. And watch as your behavior begins to change because it's being guided and influenced by His Word. As you renew your mind in that, your actions will change. Your responses will look far different than they used to before. But meditate on his word. That's one. And two, uh, is I read a book by uh, Joyce Meyer called Battlefield of the Mind. You guys know it? I think it was released in 95. I was four. <laughs> Goodness. Um, I just gave him my age. Um, black don't crack. Come at me. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, number two is to think about what you're thinking about, which is a thought that she introduced in that book to me. Think about what you're thinking about. Because very often, our minds just go. And we're like, hey, I'm here for the ride. Just take me wherever. But we need to regain control of our minds. So it, it means we need to be intentional about thinking about what we're thinking about. So now how do we do that? Because, I mean, it's very hard to sit there and think, okay, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Okay, no. Catch that. No, stop. Okay, think, think. Think good things. Think good things. Stop. Think good things. Think good things. Bruh, you, you'll die. Like, it just, it's too much. Um, but there's a way that I think that you and I can actually begin to do that. So whenever you and I do something, and this is another thought introduced by Andy Stanley, um, Whenever you're about to do something, especially something wrong, there is a moment of tension that exists in, that mo in your decision-making process. 
where something in you is like, don't do it. And another thing in you is like, bruh, live YOLO. So Andy Stanley says, pay attention to the tension. Because very often, right before you're about to do something wrong, or do something that you know you shouldn't be doing, there's a moment of tension that you need, to pay, you need to pay attention to. And if you were to choose the right thing, your life would look a whole lot easier. Like, there's two forks, in, there's a fork, like two options, there's a fork in the road, you could do the right thing that leads you to your freedom a whole lot quicker and easier, and there's the not so right thing that has consequences and a bit of hurt, etc., etc. Et but there's a moment of tension that exists in almost every decision that you and I get to make. Pay attention to that tension. Think about that thing. Think about what you're thinking about of that thing. Because when we begin to address those moments of tension with kingdom principle and kingdom thinking, we are far better positioned to make decisions that lead us and walk us into freedom. Because you see, we've meditated on his word. There's a moment of tension that exists within a reaction or, or, or a reaction to a circumstance that when we consider our next move, we respond well and we respond with kingdom thinking and kingdom principle as opposed to react with earthly emotions and not-so-wise judgments. So when you think about what you're thinking about, pay attention to the tension. Pay attention to the tension that exists between what you want to do and what you ought to do. Still with me? Now, because uh, I'd like to wrap up, we're going to do a little exercise. With no eyes closed and no heads bowed, I have a question to ask, um, and you're going to have a chance to respond. But what prison have you built for yourself that you are living in right now? What prison have you built for yourself that you're living in right now? Because very often, we keep ourselves in prisons where the doors are flung wide open. We keep ourselves in tombs when the stone has been rolled away. So what prison might you be positioning yourself in right now in your life? Or prisons? Because it is the king's desire for you and I that we be free and free indeed. And if you have the Holy Spirit within you, it is his desire that you be set free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we are going to experience that freedom today. So with no heads bowed, no eyes closed, if you're in a prison this morning, won't you stand? And now, because we are family, and we stand a whole lot better when we stand together, we stand a whole lot stronger when we stand together, we're going to stand together. So even if you didn't stand up, um, oh, no, oh yes, you can physically stand together, but everyone that stood, won't you guys turn to each other, 
hold each other's hands, whatever you want to do. We want to stand together as family this morning. And whatever your prison might be, hold that in your mind. You can pray with me, but you're going to lay that thing at the foot of the cross. Because it is your king's desire that you might experience freedom this morning. So I'm going to pray. And you can pray with me either out loud or in your heart. But Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son down to die for us on a cross that you might redeem all of humanity, that whosoever should believe in you shall not perish but have eternal life. That is for freedom's sake that he set us free. This morning we make a a stake in the claim or draw a line in the sand that enough is enough. We, We might have built prisons for ourselves. Father, won't you tear those walls down? In Jesus' name. Won't your spirit begin to bring freedom in the areas that we might have been captives in? That's what your son died for. That's what your son came here to do. Not just free us from sin, but free us from old ways of thinking, old ways of behaving, that we might live as the king did. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space. We know that you are working. We know that you are changing and shaping and uh, reforming the way that we think and the, and the way that we behave. Won't you comfort us and encourage us on this long walk to freedom, that way we might experience a moment of tension that we could choose to partner with you. Walking ourselves into a space of freedom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We pray this in all the authority and might and power found in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, there's going to be a prayer team up here in the front if you'd like to continue praying. But other than that, go live as free, newly created people in God's kingdom. There's tea and coffee outside. Don't rush off. We'd love to connect with you. Big love.